This is Stories from the C-Suite. Each week we bring you the stories of successful people, about how they began their career, where do they come from, what's important to them, what's in their heart. I think you'll really enjoy it. My name is Tom Coates, and I will be your guide. I get to introduce you to my good friend, Ted Achillian. You are going to love him. He is a mechanical engineer who owns a IT managed service provider company. He is a community uh, servant as far as he, he's on the board of a couple of nonprofits. He's, he's constantly giving back. He's just a class guy, and I'm so happy to be able to introduce him to you. But first... If you are a business owner or you work with one, then you know one of their big worries, the big monsters that they face every year is called insurance. Well, I have a friend named Dave Tobin. He has a plan on how to handle that monster, how to avoid paying that extra premium increase every year. Matter of fact, some of his clients actually get a significant check back. His website is Look. Insight.com. That's look numeral two insight.com and let him help you with that insurance monster. All right, Ted, thank you so much for joining us this, this morning on our podcast. I've already told everybody how amazing you are, but I, I want to want them to hear from you. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in business here in Middle Tennessee and what what everything associated with that. So I'm just going to try and shut up and and let you tell your story. Just to let you know if I talk too much, then my spouse corrects me later. She goes, "Oh, you you should let him talk more. He's really interesting," <laughs> which kind of implies that I'm boring. So. Not sure how to take that. So go ahead, tell us your story, Ted. Hey, hey Tom, thank you so much for having me on, on your show. And you know what? You never talk too much because you are such a wonderful storyteller. We always love hearing what you what you have to say. So appreciate that. And uh, so so a little bit about my background. I moved to Middle Tennessee about 11 years ago. Uh, I was living in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I was working for an engineering company there, and I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. Uh, so uh, uh, I got a job here in Franklin with another engineering company. It's a, um, uh, it's a foundry that sells uh, high wear resistant and high temperature resistant yeah, steel alloy. So right? that's what. Yes, you are right. That, yeah. That's the name of the company. It's, it's Magato. It's a Belgian company. It's now owned by Chileans. Uh, mm -hmm. So so it's a it's a true international company, and that's what brought me to uh, to Middle Tennessee. Uh, in in 2009, and I've been a resident since then here, and, uh, and not to mention I love it, and I don't want to move out of this area for any reason. Uh, so that's one of the reasons what put me into this business role where I am today. So while working for these um, for these companies, I realized one thing: the big companies with a lot of uh, people that takes care of technology, uh, they have abundant resources that helps them to. Um, you know, make their processes efficient, uh, make their, uh, uh, you know, uh, profit margins go high. And I was leading a team and just by implementing a few software technology and database and a hardware upgrade, we were able to increase our margin by 6%. Tom, mm. that's a lot of money within a, within a period of one year. So our ROI was within a couple of years, which is we expected three, four years, but we were able to gain that in 
in two years, and I'm not even talking about the the uh, the money we saved by uh, not to have hire more people and things like that, but just by purely uh, streamlining our process. So that's what took me to the path of this entrepreneurship. So what it got me was, um, you know, I I felt like the small business owners and and uh, you know they missed this opportunity to, you know implement processes and technology that will be at par with these big corporations that can help them not only save money, but make their processes efficient and they can grow their business rather than focusing on this technology. So with that, about uh, five years ago, I started a small uh, web-based business and uh, building um, you know, websites, online marketing, and e-commerce platforms like Shopify to help people to launch their business online. And uh, about uh, three years ago, I uh, put my hands into managed IT services, which is CMIT solutions. And uh, in a way, you know, I want to say uh, JJ from Atiba was one of my mentors, if you if you want to say, because I kind of followed his uh, trail when it comes to helping technology in the middle mm -hmm. Tennessee. So that's my story about that. And I have been ever since in Brentwood area and enjoying my, uh, my uh, you know, uh, camaraderie and everything that I get from these neighbors here in middle Tennessee. Oh, that's fantastic. I know you and I met first at a networking event hosted by our good friend, Stu Ross. And uh, so, um, and hearing your story then was always very cool. The, the passion that you brought to helping people and helping them understand technology is, is important. Now, make sure everybody understands what a managed service provider is. So, so you know, I mean, uh, if you, I mean, Tom, you, you probably seen technology, how it evolved because, you know, you, you dealt in the same area that I am doing right now and you still do that. Uh, you know, a little bit differently, but we are we are looking at the same area. Mm -hmm. You know, about about 20 years ago, when I started my career in in various places, the IT department. When I started with my company, the big corporation, it was given a windowless, uh, you know, office with two people sitting in the middle of the building, and they will be treated like somebody that is there because somebody wanted to put him there, right? And then mm -hmm. fast forward now, every company is a technology company, yes. right? Right. I mean, I mean, you may be doing a restaurant business, you may be catering people, you may be, uh, you know, selling uh, your your handicraft that you make, you know, in in the garage. But how do you reach to people? Is through technology platform. So, so that is what that's how it changed today. And what I do is basically any company, small or mid-sized, and um, how do they operate, understand how do they do it, and what are all the resources they need, not just they use, and help them to take it. So example, hey, you know, um, you, 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 you know the office uh, manager comes into work every day, and they have to do certain routine jobs of calling certain people, uh, logging in a few things, Sending invoices could be one of their uh, responsibilities. I'm not saying that everybody does it, but could be. So how do you track off that? Hey, because you know, if you if you lose uh, cash flow, you know that could be very harming. And you know, we can get involved in other things, but 
that is where technology is being used nowadays. So that's where we come in. When that person comes in, walks into their office, turn on their computer or, you know, start working, they are working, not necessarily worried about, oh, there is a blue screen. Uh, oh my God, I have to reboot my computer three times today. And, mm -hmm. you know, even if you're paying a $20, $25 per hour for that person, it's not that money that you are losing as a business owner, but they could be making $200 by sending that invoices out. So you are looking at the, the productivity loss and not just the money wise, but also the frustration that their employee carries. They come in the morning pretty enthused about being there and they are stuck with a problem with their computer not being helping them with. That's where we come into picture. We make sure we proactively manage that computer and then, you know, when that person works, they work, they do what they do their best, not even worrying about the computer, you know, uh, or anything with that. So when, when they don't think about me, when they don't even know who I am, that's when I do my job the best because we are in the background helping them to do that. That is what I call a managed IT services because it goes not just that employee, but to that business owner, right? You know, data, we all know how important data is. It can be important information about a credit card of your client or their client or the uh, or a healthcare industry managing their social security number or date of birth or things like that. How do you secure that data? Not only it doesn't fall into bad uh, hands, but also if something should happen to that machine or, or whatever that is, how do you go from that day to the next day? So these are all some of the things we do when it comes to what I say, managed IT services. Yeah, I always, I always tell people that technology should happen. And if you have to think about it, then you're doing it wrong. Because all these things should operate. And, and when things are not operating, you don't want the, the owner of the company to stop what they're doing to try to figure out why the printer's not working. That's just a colossal waste of opportunity, waste of talent, and it's probably the most expensive uh, printer repair in the history of that company's uh, business. Tom, you just you just nailed it, right? I mean, I told you I'm a mechanical engineer by design, right? So yeah, uh, so let's see. I have a problem in my HVAC, right? Uh, yeah, I can read the manuals, I can look into this, and I can probably fix it. But that's not what I do on a daily basis, right? So by the time I'm trying to find out a screw or a nut that I need to open the panel, uh, my HVAC person will come in there and they are done. So yeah. yes, you, you know, you just nailed it right there. So if I were spending that, so that means not just I'm wasting my time there, but I'm also not being productive because I'm not serving my clients at the time. I'm not, I'm not uh, doing prospecting. I'm not uh, sending my, my uh, uh, tech, tech working with my clients, right? So that is the uh, downside of, you know, everybody trying to do everything, right? So you just nailed it. You are right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you, you're a mechanical engineer. My, my son, my oldest son, Andrew, is an ME as well. And we all know that MEs can do anything. I mean, the, the, and just, and if you don't believe it, just ask them. And, uh, <laughs> and they're better than electrical engineers. They'll tell you this. Of course, electrical engineers, double E's will have the opposite thing. But uh, years ago, I had a client that, that they had, um, it was an engineer firm, and we had a machine in there, and we literally had to put a, uh, a sign on the, on the machine that, that informed their engineers, 
do not touch it because they would try to fix their own machine. And of course it would take away from their production. It would violate the warranty. It was just foolishness, but some people just like to do things themselves, but is it the right choice at that time? So it, it's incredible. Well, going from a mechanical engineer, um, now what, what took you to that uh, as field of all the fields out there? Why mechanical engineering? So, um, so, I mean, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was fascinated by automobiles and I still am, you know, uh, that's what made me to do something, you know, anything that, that makes noise or produces heat or being loud was a fascination for me. And that's what took me to, to mechanical engineering. And, and, um, when I was in the college, I was, uh, I was trying to take, uh, electives on automobile engineering. Uh, and then, and then I, I uh, after a while, I realized, you know, um, it's it's you know, driving an automobile and fixing an automobile are two different things. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the the latter needs a lot of patience, a lot of experience, which yeah. I thought, you know, what I am not capable of handling that uh, because I want it to be done now rather than you know waiting on things. And you know how you know you probably you probably you know you might have done some at some point you know working with your dad or somebody you know fixing a motor or something like that. It takes it takes experience. It takes time. And I realize I'm, I'm not fit to be in that. But uh, even today, any new car comes in, I'll be the first guy to go to the uh, showroom and take a test drive and come back home thinking, man, I wish I could own that. I <laughs> know. Oh, I know. They're trying to roll out the electric car down in, in uh, at the um, Volkswagen plant there. It's not in production yet, but hopefully it will be in coming in the years for a year or two. And I'm so excited about that. Cause I, that is, I, I want one. I just think that's right, so right. cool. Hey, right. um, you're on a couple of boards and I, and I, I want to talk to you about them. Cause I, I'm convinced that, that as a professional, you are incredible at your field. You're really good at serving your clients. You, you do a, a, just an amazing job there. But I also think it's important that you're part of business organizations and you come to C-suite. And I know you go to other business events, so you're a leader there. The third component of being a professional is how do you give back? And you're on the board for uh, Stripe Collegiate Academy. You want to tell us a little bit about that? So, uh, Tom, I mean, you are, you are my guru when it comes to, uh, networking and, and, you know, giving back to the community, right? These are, these are two, two important things that, you know, we are all small business owners and we need to make sure that we are in the community. So, uh, so I, I, I love working with several nonprofits and, uh, Strive Collegiate Academy is, uh, one of those, uh, entities that I started working with. Uh, several years ago, my good friend, Dave Carter of Tolstone Health uh, mm. was a founding uh, member of that uh, organization. And, um, and education is, uh, uh, is, is a part of my life that made me who I am today. Uh, my dad was uh, a college uh, professor. He was the dean of the department. So when I was a kid, uh, you know, growing up in India, 
I used to go to his office several times and, you know, uh, fascinated by all those things. He was a professor of uh, zoology and, and biology. So he had specimens of snakes and whatnot. And I was fascinated by that and the students yeah. that work around that. So, uh, so, you know, uh, so education is part and parcel of my life growing up and even today. Um, so Strive Collegiate Academy, when Nashville opened up uh, to fill in the gaps between the public schools and the private schools, uh, uh, you know, this was uh, founded. And I started uh, a couple of years later, that organization started with, and my goal for that organization is as a business owner, how can I help that organization to grow organically, how it can reach the community uh, like, like I'm trying to do, and also, uh, what are all the things that needed uh, for the whole uh, community here in Nashville to improve the overall education of our, our people, our students that, that are coming in? MNPS is a great school system uh, and, and we can always improve further. You know, I'm in Williamson County, so there are a lot of good things that we have here that we can take it there. So I, I also, in addition to Strive, uh, last year I joined the, MN, uh, you know, the Nashville Chambers uh, um, educational report card committee and That's I'm a very active volunteer we meet every week for about two and a half months very for two hours a week and I contribute as much I can for the education of this area so uh, that's a little bit about Astri. Uh, I, I highly encourage everyone to look at the website and, and uh, you know, uh, if you can help with Astri uh, in any way, please. And uh, Tom, uh, here is a request on your show that we are looking for some board members that we want strive to, you know, uh, help us in the operation. So if you know, or if anybody that listens to this podcast can reach out to me uh, to be a volunteer as a board member, uh, we would be more than happy to have them. Oh, that's awesome. Now, the, the mission, as I understand it, is to, to take that middle school student and give them the tool sets to be successful in high school, college, and beyond into their career. Now, it's a literacy-based curriculum, so I, I love that. So good job. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the um, advisory board for um, Read to Succeed in Rutherford County, which is for literature, uh, literacy. And uh, it, it's, it's um, so education is important. You're on another board that I think is a little bit near and dear. It's the Tennessee Tumul Academy. Did I mispronounce uh, it? So go ahead. and Because it, it's a... a education and language that takes you back home to your your um your dad's area correct and that, that's correct uh, that's correct so it's it's uh, uh, you're right tom and and you did you did uh, very good in pronouncing that it's tennessee tamil academy yes. and uh, uh <laughs> yes absolutely yeah I'm, I'm i'm really glad that you did it yes uh, <laughs> and and uh, tamil is a is a language that's my that's my native tongue and uh, it's it's uh, it's somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000 years old. It's one of the oldest languages. Uh, it's a classical language uh, designated by uh, UNESCO, and uh, there are there is literature um, going back to thousands of years. And uh, I I grew up uh, a part of India that that this language is dominant, you know, um, and. Uh, 
And uh, so a, a, gr a group of uh, like-minded people, uh, about eight of us, we started this around eight years ago. I'm one of the founding members of this organization and uh, it's a 501c3 uh, recognized by IRS. And, uh, and I'm very, very proud of uh, uh, being a founding member of that. We started with uh, uh, about 20 kids, uh, you know. Uh, the, the goal is very simple, Tom. Uh, we want them to be connected, their identity with their language. We don't expect them to write poems or uh, novels in that language, but just to understand getting back in touch with their identity as a, as a language, because often you know, uh, you know, in my kids included, they are born here and raised here. They lose their touch with their culture and tradition, and uh, this is our goal to do that. And our um, our first group graduated this year. There are uh, there are eight grades they go through. So this year we graduated the first group. So the first group is out, and I'm I'm really happy. And we have over uh, uh, 150 students now, and and uh, in that school, and we expect them to be around 200 uh, by next year uh, when we when we start back. Um, and I, I want I want to I want to thank several local organizations that help us to, to, to be where we are today, uh, including the, uh, the East Brentwood uh, Presbyterian Church. Uh, that, that was the first um, ground for us to kick off our school. And then, and then um, the MNPS school system, they offered their schools until this COVID situation uh, and welcomed us to, to have our classrooms there. So, um, so uh, yeah, I, I'm really glad you noticed that, and I'm glad, really glad you asked me about that. And one of the things that that is one of my personal goals is to reach out to uh, WCS and uh, you know uh, to see what what we do and see if we can uh, get a credit program for the credits uh, for them for the kids that are learning through. They spend eight to ten years learning this language. See if we can get some part of a language credit for them. Oh, that'd be amazing. I think it's important. I think it's extremely important. Uh, your your roots and your history are 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 part of what makes who we are. Um, I'm sitting here in my in my home office, and my house is as a replica of a New England salt box. A, a, it's a colonial style, and, and the original was built in the 1680s which is about the time that my family came to North America. So it's, so I, I think things like that are important that we reflect on it and, and not lose base um, of, of how, what makes us all each individuals and then how we fit into this amazing experiment of the United States. I love it. Uh, absolutely, Tom. I mean, uh, we have a very rich history here and every time you, read something about it, I always feel like, you know, uh, I learned a little bit more about things that I thought I already know about what happened, uh, you know, during the uh, Civil War, before that, after that, you know, colonialism and all those things. And, you know, India has similar uh, history when it goes to, you know, uh, history mm -hmm. uh, of, of colonialism and, and uh, ruled by British for a long time and, and, you know, things like that. So you see a lot of those things and there are tidbits that are fascinating and and uh, i just wanted to uh, let you know uh, i joined uh, the the leadership brentwood program last year we just graduated uh, uh, and 
and it's a wonderful program and who are listening to if you are in in working or living in brentwood i highly highly encourage you to apply for that just search for leaderwood leadership brentwood and and you will you will find us the link and it is run by the williamson chamber and and you know uh, we had uh, two uh, dedicated days one on the uh, the government day and one on the history day tom i've been in and around nashville and and brentwood for 10 years but you know there are so many things i learned in that one day and i am digging more and more every time i go around i'm oh, sure you will you will see the same thing yes I, i i was privileged to do leadership rutherford and on our history day we visited the original schoolhouse in murfreesboro so it's still right off the square it's a it's a um a log cabin and the the two sisters ran it and they from my understanding is they basically ran the school for food i mean they're the students they didn't pay for you know it was not a commercial exchange on on the education it was here's some eggs you know <laughs> here's some cheese here's some butter right. and so it was it was just a very neat thing to to learn about our community so did you know that there is leadership middle tennessee yes yes i i am well aware of that and i i think i was uh, uh coached by one of the alumni of that program at one time so yeah. he was raving about that program uh, and yes uh, so some uh, yeah can can you tell a little bit more about that the well it's very similar to what we experience with our our counties uh the but one of the drawbacks to it is that you it's a two day thing each month so you you have a day and then you spend the night in at one of the region areas of, in middle tennessee and then you have the second day and that's for an entrepreneur that's a that's a large investment two days away from work so it's um but i think it's it's very cool in that it, it's it you get to connect with the business communities all around middle tennessee you get to connect with their history the healthcare the education the the upside is amazing the downside is the time away from work so it's it's very a worthwhile experience if you can invest in that time absolutely thank you thank you tom i mean uh, you know the the middle uh, middle tennessee is the economic engine for our state in in a lot of ways if you will yeah. call it and and uh, keeping up with this uh, businesses what's going on locally is an important thing for every one of us so uh, definitely that's that's a good point uh, you are you are making there now um we're we're recording this in the and we're still in the pandemic of, of this covid-19 virus and all of us have talking about technology all everybody's leveraging technology to their utmost of their skill to be able to still function it, all the way down to you know ordering apps for food at you know grocery pickup you know, picking up at the sidewalk from different retailers and you know are doing sales calls electronically through zoom or whatever other platform that you may have um but security is a huge thing a huge concern um and so i know that you guys do a lot in the area of, of 
making sure that your clients have um, proper you know, technology security uh, protocols. So what, what things have, have, have you seen that you could give people as a tip on what they could try to do themselves and what are, what are your goals in that area? So, uh, uh, Tom, that, that's a great point. And, and COVID-19 actually has put a lot of uh, security risk when it comes to uh, people and technology. So, you know, uh, take, it, take, a, take a few years back. We just talked about cars, right? I mean, you know, there was a period, uh, you know, when, when the Hemi engines were introduced, I was, I was uh, lucky enough to see, I was in a, in a small town called Chanute in Kansas. In the, in, the, in, the, in the state of Kansas. And they are proud of two things. One is their local beef and their local collection of classic automobiles. So, um, and not just automobiles, but they also use a lot of biplanes for their fields and all those things. So I had an opportunity to visit not once, but twice because I was there for almost six months um, yeah, don't ask me what I was doing there, but that's another story. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, what I found out was the cars were made, just how simple it was. They were connected. I saw several cars made in the, uh, you know, uh, Model Ts and uh, some of the uh, Dodges, and they, they brought them there shiny, and they are so proud, and they opened the hood, and they said, this is very simple. I just do this. I fix this, and this is what the car is, right? But today, take Tesla, for example. Right. You know, yeah. uh, you know, from where we are and where we moved, you know, I call Tesla an iPhone on wheels and I'm sure yeah. you would ag agree with that. Right. Uh, so so people can hack into your car. And when you are driving uh, at 80 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour, they can bring it to, to a halt completely if they are able to know how to do it, because you are not breaking this. The computers are breaking the car nowadays. Right. So you can do that. So that is very true when it comes to our everyday life. Right. So uh, being people away uh, from their work at home, they use uh, computers and laptops that doesn't have the usual safeguards that are at work. So investing in a good antivirus uh, you know, uh, so software firewall, updating your own uh, home network by you know, making sure you use the latest product and the products are still supported by those manufacturers. I'm talking about both businesses and just uh, you know, uh, households, right? Yeah. Because kids are at home, you, you want to make sure that they are safe when they are there. Putting a parental control is an important thing. And the one thing I always say is, bored at home, people, we, we found people just got click happy. So they are clicking on everything. And that's a bad thing when it comes yes. to security, right? Uh, you know, links are sent as if the link is coming from, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, and still people click on that. Come on, guys. We, we, we know it's not true, right? Uh, you know, um, and, and, and one of the links that comes in is uh, from, obviously, you know, IRS link. You know, hey, here is your unclaimed $20,000. IRS does not do that. We all know that. The, 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 the uh, Tennessee state troopers do not send an email saying you have a ticket that you need to uh, right. pay by clicking the link, right? Two, two days ago, I received a, a text about fraudulent uh, activity and my, my account had been, had been frozen because of the fraudulent activity. I'm looking at this text. I don't bank with those people. Two hours later, my wife got the exact same text on, and then I got the text on another email address that I have. It, and so we, we looked it up. Um, and it's just a, it's a phishing campaign. It is a known 
known phishing campaign to get people to click on that link to check out their bank account. Why is it frozen? You know, what's going on? And as soon as you do that, boom, you're in trouble. Right, right. And, and, and that, that's why for the, for the office environment, we make sure we, we put, uh, you know, email security. That's one layer we do that. And then, you know, if you put the physical firewall and the software firewall on, on each computer, and also we want to make sure the, the DNS uh, filtering is going on so that even if you click on something, if it is already a known malicious site, we at least want our users saying, do not do that. And there are, there are some commercially uh, available programs uh, that, that people can, you know, every household can just invest in. These are not very expensive. Just choose a good product. Uh, you know, um, I can name some, uh, you know, like Webroot and other products, just use them and, and, you know, make sure your environment at home is safe. And also, if you are a parent of small kids, make sure there is a parental control system uh, in, right. installed on your network so that they don't click on things that they don't want to. They don't want to see those things. There is so much out there. Uh, we don't want them to see, at least at this time, when they are young and, and all those things. So obviously, you know, uh, Tom, the, the internet as we know of is probably less than 20% of the web uh, uh, that is out there. And the 80% is what we call the dark web. And what they do is they not only keep uh, information about people, but they also keep information about companies that are hacked by these uh, cyber criminals. And they tell them, hey, you know, here is a company you want to target because uh, some employees are not trained or almost all of the employees are not trained. And every time we send a phishing campaign, they click on the link and it's it's a it's a you know gold mine for you so so we monitor for some of our clients on the dark web where they are if they have been hacked and we change several things for that and it is it is whether you are an office employee or you are a, you are a you know home user at home uh, just be careful what you click what you read what you send and all those things that's just a quick uh, tips on cybersecurity but we have elaborate plans that we install for our clients uh, to make sure because security cuts both ways, right? You know, we have to be careful, but at the same token, uh, sometimes, you know, it could be so hard for the common user to access some of their own things. So we need to be very careful about that. Now, throw in HIPAA, FINRA, and other regulations that come in. I tell a lot of my clients here, if you are FINRA compliant, if you, are, uh, if you want to be HIPAA compliant, there is no other way but to do those things. Yes, it is going to be difficult, but we do that. And the one other thing that we do is we, uh, we work with military contractors, and there are certain strict regulations uh, uh, you know, required by the U.S. government to do that. And, you know, we need to make sure that we put them in place and, you know, train our uh, customers to how to use it. There are no shortcuts for that. Two-factor, um, I never say it right. Uh, you are talking about two-factor or multi-factor authentication, right? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it, is, it is a simple but yet very uh, effective thing you can do. If you are just on the personal side, I'm just going to talk about it. Yeah. If you have a bank account, go to the security settings, go to the profile and make sure you enable a two-factor authentication on that. What are all some of the two-factor authentication? Your mobile phone number is a two-factor authentication. They send you a code and you input the code into that one. And then also companies like Google, they now uh, uh, you know, do pretty sophisticated uh, IP tagging and they say, oh, Tom typically logs into his account 
from Brentwood or, or Franklin or in Rutherford County. But today I see a login from uh, somewhere in, in Belgium or, or Russia. Uh, mm. So I want to make sure it is Tom. So they send you a, a, a question to verify. Now, I don't want you to rely on that because people can fake location by uh, you know, uh, being somewhere else, you know, we use, we all use VPN. You can use right. a VPN program to say uh, you are sitting in uh, Russia, but you can tell the program that you are sitting in the U.S. So you can do that. So yeah, two-factor authentication. Um, telemarketing calls from Watertown, Tennessee. And those people right. are not right. in Watertown, Tennessee. Right, right. Because they see your cell phone number and they say, oh, this is the number I want to be closer to when I'm calling Tom because he's going to think that his mom is calling him and they're yeah. going to pick it up, right? That's what they are targeting. Now, on the, on the, on the enterprise side, uh, we use a lot of authentication programs. Uh, Authy is a good program we use. Uh, and what it does is you register that program uh, in a Google Authenticator is another program. Microsoft Authenticator is another program. What you do is you register your account with that program. And then every time you log in, you can set it up how, however you want, you know, every time or once in two weeks. But I would recommend at least once a week or two, you make sure your authenticator is uh, uh, used to uh, verify your account that you are logging into the program. Uh, several Office 363 accounts now have to have the authentication without that you can't even uh, do that anymore. Uh, so that's a very good, most of these programs are free. So please install those apps on the on your iPhone or uh, Android uh, and then just use them whenever you need to. Perfect. That's, that's sage advice, sir. Uh, um, I know you also have a, um, a um, video platform as well. I know I use Zoom um, and it, it works fine for me, but there's there's been issues with people joining Zoom calls and the security around that has gotten a lot better, but you have a more secure business uh, video conferencing portal. Um, what is the name of that? So uh, it's called Any Meeting. Um, we use that program. Uh, it is part of our uh, offering. Uh, we we uh, primarily it is for small uh, businesses with uh, less than 25 employees. That's where we feel the need. Um, and what it does is it's it's a much secure uh, video conferencing platform that you can use to have meetings, presentations, webinars if you want. And there is a different version that's available for. Uh, you know, a limited number of presenters, but a lot of people can join to view our webinar. And um, until the end of this year, uh, we are offering for free for small businesses. So all they have to do is just reach out to me and uh, we will help them to schedule it. Um, so Zoom is a, com uh, you know, consumer level uh, video conferencing, which is very good. Uh, and they had some security issues in the beginning and they are working to, uh, you know, continue to improve that. And, you know, what you are referring is what we call uh, Zoom bombing. People just come yeah. into any, any Zoom meeting and, and just, being disruptive and it actually happened to one of the networking events not too long ago as as uh, it happened last week uh, we had some uh, visitors that were uninvited and they came in there and and it was a it got a little ugly and we had to cancel the program so mm -hmm. uh, so zoom uh, the one one uh, point i would say is if you are using zoom please make sure you update your zoom uh, software every time because I think they are updating it on a weekly basis because of the security flaws. So please update it. And the other thing, uh, this is not just for Zoom. Uh, Tom, you know this very well. 
passwords. The passwords are very important when it comes to, and yet I still see people using their dog's name uh, and the year they adopted the dog or their wife's birthday and, and things like that. It is a no-no. I would go ahead and in, invest. Uh, some of, there are free softwares available. Uh, one good example of that is called LastPass. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, LastPass is a good tool that I, you know, um, there is a there is a version, paid version available. But for a lot of consumers, the free version is more than enough. And I would highly recommend using that. And it will give you options to set how much you want to do. And you put one strong master password that you and only you remember. And, uh, you know, we like to have a uh, passphrase, not just four letter or eight letter. We want to go 20, 30 uh, letters into that with some special characters and numbers. So you can say something like, um, oh, uh, I love my podcast with the Tom, something like that with, you know, introducing characters, uh, special characters instead of, you know, uh, yes, I use a dollar sign and, and things like that, right? So we highly recommend that. So um, yeah. Um, uh, so if you need a program that uh, that is uh, that you want to use other than Zoom for your business purposes, please reach out to me and we can help you with that. No obligation whatsoever. Thank you for bringing that up, Tom. Oh, my pleasure. I, I knew that you had that solution. I wanted you to be able to share it. But, and so tell people how they can reach you guys. Um, so my um, my company is CMIT Solutions uh, of Brentwood and Franklin. So if you just Google CMIT Solutions Brentwood, they can reach me. Um, my my phone number is uh, 615-850-7175. Uh, they can reach me through that. And uh, Brentwood at CMITsolutions.com. Brentwood at cmitsolutions.com is our email. Uh, we are available anytime if they want to reach out. And also they can uh, go to my website and fill in a form and then do it. Uh, and I will, I will uh, get that information uh, right away and we will be able to uh, call, call back. Perfect. What I'll do is I will um, um, have that information in the in the show notes, not everybody goes to the show notes, but if you want to, uh, the website, cmtsolutions.com uh, slash Brentwood-Franklin is on your LinkedIn profile. Would that one be that okay? That is correct. Okay. That is correct, yes. All right. Yes. And then also your mobile is there as well. So I'll, I'll put that info on the show notes so that anybody, because what you do right now is crucially important to people, uh, and particularly small business because pockets are not as deep. And so getting caught up in some cyber issue is extremely expensive and it's a lot cheaper to avoid it than to fix it. Uh, Tom, you are absolutely right because uh, when it comes to uh, liability, uh, you know, prevention is always better as, is, as we talk about, you know, uh, you know, a lot of my friends that are in the insurance in insurance industry, they will say it's not a tangible product, but when you need it, when when you need it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, investing in cybersecurity, uh, whether it's with the CMIT solutions or with anybody you want to do business with, is is a vital uh, uh, role a business owner should take, and and to prove, uh, you know, to not only prevent that brand name, but also any liability that will come after that. So, yeah. so uh, it's an important thing. And thank you for, for bringing that up. Absolutely. Well, sir, thank you for joining us. We will have a real brief um, uh, sponsor break and then we'll come back and do the networking tip. But I'm so happy that I got to share you with everybody. 
uh, just a class guy and does amazing work. Thanks for joining us. Tom, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Our networking tip this week is brought to us by HubSpot. HubSpot CRM is free and will always be free. And the Unstuck Business Academy is now an affiliate. So we look forward to being able to bring that CRM to our group. If you want more information, please reach out to us at 615-542-1897. That's 615-542-1897. This week, I want to talk to you about what separates us from others. What makes you someone that, that other people, your clients, your, your prospects want to do business with? There's a, there's a saying out there that if a salesperson shows up on time, follows up, and does what they say they'll do, will be head and shoulders above the competition. And unfortunately, that's true. And you and I know that that's just bare bones. That's, that's setting the bar low. Show up on time, follow up, and then do what you say. That, that's just, that is low bar stuff. What I encourage each of us to reread that book, Raving Fans. Let me spell it for you because of my accent. R-A-V-I-N-G, Fans, F-A-N-S. It's a book about anticipating the needs of your client so that they become that raving fans. You know, unfortunately, customer service and sales has been brought down to that low bar. And if you establish that bar where a professional should, that high standard of excellence, then your clients, your prospects will become raving fans and will share your name to others. That's our goal. I'll put a, a link to that book in the in the show notes, and let's make sure that we set that bar high enough to where our customers, our prospects know the difference. Hey, thanks for joining us this week with Stories from the C-Suite. We really appreciate it. It's just so much fun to share these stories of the amazing people that I'm so fortunate to know. As always, subscribe to the show. We loved to see that. Visit our website, csweetbiz.com, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Yeah.